I want to talk to you this morning um, briefly about a change in my life. I had something really profound happen to me a couple years ago, and it made my life so much better. It's a 21st century breakthrough in advanced technology. It's a mechanical wonder that I didn't even know I needed, but it literally changed my life. Yes, I am speaking to you about the pop socket. (laughs) Do you guys know about this? Like for years, I was like holding my phone with one hand and I could never actually text or I'd be in bed and it'd fall on my face because I couldn't hold it up. And it was like, this thing changed everything. It's like, it's like I never dropped my phone again. I, I suddenly, I could carry a cup of coffee and my phone. Oh, I know, I know. It was so amazing. It literally changed my life. But then something happened. I got used to it. The phone literally became part of my appendage. <laughs> That's probably not good either. I don't know if you've noticed, but things that seem to change people's lives sometimes fade. And I want to talk to you today about wonder because I think it's so easy to lose our sense of wonder. Google searches and YouTube videos can teach us how to do practically anything. Have you noticed? Social media will invite us into anyone's world, at least the world they want you to see. Technological advancement means we can do everything faster and better than we've done it before. Incredibly, this little device means we can hold the world in our hands. What does that do to you? What does that do to people to have that kind of access, that kind of information? Because we can do more for sure, right? But perhaps we're less present emotionally. We're more capable, but maybe less spiritually vibrant. More intellectual, and yet somehow less intelligent. (laughs) Anxiety, depression, anger, division continue to be pervasive in our culture. Throw in a disappointment in life, maybe a tragedy, and suddenly a grief-stricken loneliness can easily set in. Skepticism, cynicism, a general arrogance sort of permeates our cultural ethos of American exceptionalism, while gratitude and wonder seem to continue to disappear. I don't know if you know this or not, but belief in God in our country is at an all-time low. 
But the problem for the Christian, for the person who follows Jesus, is also pretty profound. Because each of these influences has a profound effect on our view of God. For most American Christians, a belief in God does not necessarily translate to a greater strength or a more profound peace or even simple obedience, sadly. All these things together, and God can seem smaller and maybe farther away, which makes me wonder. Does the fact that we're always looking down into our hands contribute to the weakness of our faith? Is our capacity for facts and figures, and are, are, is it crowding out the mysteries of creation and the creator himself? Do we need a spiritual awakening to recapture our sense of worship and wonder? I think the answer is yes. Yes. The first words in the Bible are, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But that phrase doesn't seem to spark the mystery and wonder that it used to. But what, what can we do? Well, if you were to travel around the earth on a cruise ship, a great way to go, by the way, it would take you about 108 days. In fact, in 1933, a man named Wiley Post was the first pilot to fly around this beautiful blue and green planet of ours. He made the trip in seven hours, sorry, seven days, <laughs> seven days, 18 hours, and 49 minutes. Today, if you could get your hands on a supersonic jet, and if you knew how to fly it, of course, you could make the trip in about 10 hours. But that's just our planet. If the sun were as tall as a typical front door, as your front door, Earth would be the size of a nickel. And our sun is just one star of at least a hundred billion, with a B, stars in the Milky Way. Just consider for a moment that while Earth has an equatorial diameter, oh, big words, sorry, uh, the diameter of the equator, right, it's 7,926 7, miles. That's how big around the Earth is. But if you think about the Milky Way, the Milky Way is about 621 quadrillion miles. Quadrillion miles. That's 15 zeros, for those of you who are wondering. Talk about traveling around the Earth. What would it take to travel across the Milky Way? Well, American spacecrafts are already headed out of our solar system to what scientists call interstellar space. Voyager 1 launched in 1977. Some of you in the room remember this. And is the farthest out, more than 11 billion miles from the sun. It was the first man-made object to leave our solar system. Voyager 2 
is speeding along at more than 39,000 miles per hour and will take more than 296,000 years to pass Sirius, which is the brightest star in our night sky. Now, I know Texas is big. But this is just a little taste of the vastness and the greatness of the earth and the heavens that surround us and maybe help us deal with our Texas-sized egos. And this may be the best place to start to recapture our wonder of God. Just taking a moment to consider creation. The scriptures say he builds his lofty palace in the heavens and sets its foundation on the earth. He calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the land. The Lord is his name. Psalm 33 verse 6 says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made their starry host by the breath of his mouth. It's pretty awesome. This is, this is who God is. And this same God who created the heavens and the earth created you. Every single person sitting here and listening to me right now was born into this world and we all came the same way. Not with strength, but fragile and small and weak. We couldn't even crawl, let alone stand up and walk or run. Did you know that babies are born with 300 bones, which is 50% more than adults have. For example, the skull of the baby has several bones that overlap one another so that during the birth, it, it helps the baby squeeze out. God made us like an Amazon package, small and compact. It's just one of the ways that we are incredibly and wonderfully made. I remember each one of my kids' births. I have five. And for the first four, it was, I mean, actually all of them were unique, but I cried at every one of them. I mean, tears, because it's just such a miracle. It's just such a moment of wonder and joy that appears seems like out of nowhere, <laughs> even though she was pregnant for nine months. And so I remember our last child, he was kind of the unique one. His name is Owen, and I, I, I was there, and I, it, was, it was a unique birth because I got to go from being with Amy, you know, and all the other four, I was up by Amy's head. You know, you know how this works, and you're, you're there, you're the, the, the husband, the partner, trying to really be encouraging, and you're like, come on, just breathe. <laughs> Let's, who are we kidding? I was just trying not to be annoying and trying to avoid the headlock <laughs> that came almost every birth. <laughs> but I got, to be in, I got to be down front <laughs> where, where the baby came out, and it was amazing. I got to catch him. 
And not that he fell or anything, but I, I got to receive him into my hands. And I remember as he, as, as he appeared, suddenly the doctor is like, ooh, this is a, he's going to be a big boy. <laughs> and I remember the hospital room erupting as the digital scale read 10.05 pounds. <laughs> it was awesome. My wife is amazing. A newborn baby is startled at just about anything. Not because um, the noise is soft or loud, but because it's new. Hasn't heard that before. A newborn can hear just as well as an adult. A baby can actually recognize his mother's voice from just one syllable. Even as a baby, we're able to feel things. Messages from the human brain travel along the nerves at up to 200 miles an hour. Our bodies can actually detect taste in .0015 seconds, which is faster than a blink. When we sneeze, it travels at 100 miles per hour. So get out of the way. For an adult human, taking just one step uses up to 200 muscles. As adults, we spend about 33% of our lives asleep. Oh, sleep. Love it. For reference, a python spends about 75% of its life sleeping. A dog spends about 44% of its life sleeping. And a cat spends about 99% of its life sleeping. <laughs> okay, I, I made that last stat up. But here this morning, I want you to take a deep breath right now. Come on, take a deep breath. Do you feel that? It's not allergies. <laughs> it's life. It's life. You take about 23,040 breaths a day or about 672,768,000 breaths in a lifetime. Breathing. Breathing. Something that we do so often, we automatically take it for granted and don't appreciate it. It's a wonder. Some of you are here this morning and you... You're out of breath, you're moving too fast, and you're missing out on some life. Some of you can't catch your breath. <laughs> you thought you could during the Christmas break, but no. <laughs> Here you are at the beginning of the year, it like, feels like it's all coming at you again. Some of you are in the room and you feel like you can't breathe at all because you're suffocating under the weight of worry, or maybe under the subtle doubt an unbelief that's crept into your soul. You're more skeptical than spiritual lately. Maybe more of a cynic than a saint. And it feels lifeless. As we begin this new year, I'm committed to not using too many cliches. I, 
I'm steering clear of kind of the norm and the, the way we start a year. Because, listen, there's nothing wrong with resolutions and roles and goals and plans. I think it's a good exercise for all of us. We should do it. But I also believe that there's something that comes before these things that feeds those things. Something we need to rediscover and recapture in our lives and in our church. That something is called worship. And it comes from a deep place within us that I think is a lot like oxygen to our, our spiritual lives. Intimacy with God is a connection as significant as breathing because God, the God of wonders, wants to reveal himself to you and to me. You see, he doesn't, he doesn't need our worship He never has. That's not part of his nature. But we are wired for worship. And we need to enter into it because there's something there that allows us to pour ourselves out, emptying ourselves of all these things and allowing him to fill us with who he is. I would say there is no human that does not worship. The only question is, what do they worship? Who do they worship? Listen, our spiritual life cannot thrive unless and until we're awakened to the mystery and wonder that is the creator of the universe. And here's the the beauty of it, the, the, the incredible nature of our creator God is he has prioritized a relationship with us so that he can fill us with his love, so that he can fill us with his purpose, his grace, his strength, and peace, peace that goes beyond even our own understanding. This is how the psalmist articulates it in Psalm 40, verse 5. It says, many, Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. You, Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Think about that. God has so many plans for you. Psalm 65, verse 8 says, the whole earth is filled with awe at at your wonders. Where morning dawns and where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. Psalm 105, verse 4 says, Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face sometimes. (laughs) Seek his face when you're in trouble. Seek his face always. Remember, everybody say remember. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. Everyone in the room has some wonders that God has done for them. You may not be aware of it, but they are wonders nonetheless. This is the secret, by the way, to an incredible 2023. Here on our first Sunday together at One Chapel, we're looking at this year. I just want to encourage you, if you want awesome plans for this year, worship the God who has plans that you don't even know about yet. 
You want a sense of joy in your life instead of doubt and discouragement or despair? Look to the Lord and seek his face always. Remember the wonders he's done in your life. I, I want to tell you, as the lead pastor of one chapel, that we're going to go into a season of seeking and soaking in the wonder of God's presence because that's where the transformation is. Because I, I believe that where we are in culture, where we are in society, where we've found ourselves as a church, we need to be awakened to worship in a way that is new, different, something that changes our resolutions and goals and plans and, 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 and all those roles that we have in our life. I want us to be overtaken at the beginning of this year by gratitude, by worship. Because there's a revelation that all of us need to have about how much God loves us. That's so powerful, so powerful that it will change the way you look at the world. And, and here's, there's danger, there's danger when we do this. You can see, even in the scriptures, in Psalm 78, check this out, it's a whole story of kind of God's people and what they went through. It starts out in verse four, we'll tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. That's a good plan. But by verse 11 in the story, look at what happened. They forgot what he had done, the wonders he had shown them. It is really a thing. People forget. People forget and then you end up being in church, holding your coffee, watching the words go by on the screen, wondering if anybody cares about what's going on in your life. We gotta break out of that. There's one more verse here. Psalm 70, 32, it says, in spite of all this, they kept on sinning, and in spite of his wonders, they did not believe. <laughs> this is a danger for us in our day. We're living in a day where we've forgotten the power of God, the, the wonders of God. We haven't seen too many miracles among us. We're witnessing a Rejection of God in our culture, in spite of his wonders, a lack of belief. We're in a day where uh, many are deconstructing their faith. And I want to just say this, that's probably a good thing. In many cases, in almost all cases, I think that's probably a good thing because what most people are deconstructing is their religion and their rituals that didn't line up with what they believe about Jesus. See, doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. It was the same in Jesus' day too. <laughs> a lot of religion, a lot of ritual, not a lot of understanding what God was really doing. And of course, what needs to happen as you deconstruct is you've got to construct something after it's all broken apart. But what do you construct? You and I have to construct a relationship with Jesus. 
It's as simple as that. Now, a lot of complications on the way to that. I get that. I don't want to minimize it. I don't want to minimize your spiritual journey if you're in the process of figuring things out and what you really believe. But I'm telling you, there's something in worship that changes your sight, your view, your heart. And, and I'm, I'm committed to changing the way our Sundays function. And so that's why this morning some of you came in and I was already speaking and you're like, what just happened? What, what, was I late? No, we just flipped it on you. And for the foreseeable future, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna have the message more up front and then we're gonna respond with a time of worship and, and ministry. We're just gonna do that for a while. Maybe we'll do that forever, I don't know. But we've got to upset the status quo because we, you and I, cannot treat the, the world we're in and the culture we're in and the time that we're in with a business-as-usual attitude. So I'm calling you further. We've got to come together as God's people and we've got to have a spiritual encounter when we meet together that affects us deeply. Not something that... We leave and the thing we remember is how the coffee didn't taste right today. Sorry about that, by the way. We got to have a, an encounter with Jesus that changes us and sends us out into the world with courage and strength. We need a reorientation of what our Sunday gatherings are for. Now, listen, I asked my staff about this. I was like, okay, what are, what are Sundays for? Let's talk about it. What are Sundays really for? We talked about it for a few weeks. And they, a lot of great answers, vision, teaching, a lot of, I mean, even, even some fellowship, all that stuff. But here's what doesn't happen on a Sunday morning. You can't make a disciple on a Sunday morning. That takes a lot longer. You know, we've been in a disciple series over the last fall, and, 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 and we're still not done with that. But here's what, here's what, you came down to two things that must happen on a Sunday when we gather, or what are we doing here? And the first thing is authentic and spiritual encounters with the Holy Spirit with what he's doing and what he's saying we gotta have that we can't just stare at the words and sing the songs there's gotta be more number two we gotta have what, what Sundays need to be is training and mobilizing to live like Jesus the rest of the week with activation and actions that are clear and that we can all grab a hold of and not only that but we walk together after we leave this place, grab somebody else's hand and say, hey, let's follow Jesus together. It's all pretty simple if you boil it down to what Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 37. You guys, most of you probably know this verse. Jesus replied, I love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love God. He's quoting Deuteronomy 6. He's quoting the Shema, which is, listen, hear it. That's what God's people have to do. You have to hear this. Love God with everything, heart, mind, soul, and strength. Not casually, not flippantly, not as a second or third or fourth or fifth option. Not when you really get in trouble. No, no. there's something more for us. And of course, you go to the next verse and he says, and the second is like it, and love your neighbor as yourself. Pretty simple. He says, all the law and the prophets, all the law and the prophets hang on these commandments. If you will get these two things down, love God with everything. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, love God with most of the stuff you do. 
Keep some stuff for yourself. Love God with everything. And then love your neighbor really well. If we do that, one chapel, there will be nothing that can stop God's work, God's move through you and me. So there's two simple actions I want you to do over the next few months, all right? Everybody put two fingers up. Two things I want you to do, ready? Number one, you ready? Number one, number one, I want you to slow down and look up. Slow down and look up. How can we prioritize 2023 and recapture a pace that is not only doable but actually life-giving? I'm convinced Jesus is the only one that shows us how to live this way. Right? He's our pace setter. We look at his life. We look at how he disappeared and, 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 and spent time with his heavenly father, how he was slower than everybody wanted him to be. <laughs> he, he's our pace setter, and he provides what Eugene Peterson calls the unforced rhythms of grace in our lives. He gives us everything we need to live unhurried. Do you remember that series last year? Some of you might remember that. It seems like a long time ago, and you've got a lot of hurry in your life since then. The great Dallas Willard theologian, he said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. That means pace. That means how much you can do in a space of time. Listen to this invitation from Jesus. Are you guys still with me? Listen to this invitation from Jesus himself. Are you tired? Worn out, burned out on religion? He said, come to me. You guys, this is it. Come to me, he says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. He says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Freely and lightly. Sign me up <laughs> freely and lightly. <laughs> I'm living chained up and heavy. Jesus' words almost make, don't make sense when you first read them because he's saying all these weird words that we can't figure out how to incorporate into our lives. But it's also crazy to move at the frenetic and breakneck pace that most of us are living at. And no matter how much we try this app or that new technology or, or this breathing exercise, the results are just about always the same. You know what they are? Short-lived. <laughs> That's why in January all the gyms are packed. You guys were there this week. You see the gym? Full of people. You got to bring in extra equipment. <laughs> By Valentine's Day, broken hearts everywhere. <laughs> Nobody's in the gym anymore. <laughs> Listen, for uh, quite a few years, our church has started the year off with 21 days of prayer. We're not going to start the year off with 21 days of prayer this year. And the reason is because as we've thought and prayed about it, and, and personally, I've sort of felt this way, like sometimes 21 days just feels like a sprint. It's just like we sprinted through. Here comes the new year. Okay, we give her 6.30 prayer. 
I do it for 21 days. Who are we kidding? Very few of you do it for 21 days. We do it for like 11 days. See, I, I don't want to be awesome at prayer in January and then prayerless in February, March, and April. I want to take the long-term view. I want to build up to something. I want, us to, I want us to grow a little bit at a time so that there's real transformation. And so that's why we're going to do 40 days of prayer during the season of Lent. We're going to do 40 days of prayer and consecration. 40 days, Pastor Roswell. You know what? Your chance of making prayer part of your life over 40 days is greater than over 21. Because here's the thing. I don't want to sprint. I want to linger. I don't want to run fast. I want to slow change over the course of this year and in our lives. Where prayer, see, prayer must be integrated in a greater way into our lives and into our church. I've realized that as a church, during most of the year, we're, we're too prayerless. I want us to live in a place where worship and wonder is sustained. Matthew 18, verse 3, you know what it says? It says, and he said, truly I tell you, unless you change, everybody say change. Unless you change and become like what? What does that say? Little, you've got to become like little kids. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Keep going. He says, therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child, I love this. If you'd be willing to take the lowly position of a child, you can become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? If you want to really get what the kingdom is like, you've got to take the way of a child. What is that? Innocence, not skepticism. You've got simplicity, not complicated everything. Curiosity. I wonder if. These are the characteristics of childlike wonder that Jesus is talking about. Think about this. From the perspective of a child, almost everything is up. <laughs> when you're a child, you've you got to look up for everything. You, 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 they have to look up to see the world around them, really. They have to look up to receive instructions from their parents. They have to look up to receive provision and, and to be lifted up in the arms of the ones that they love. That's what Jesus says we ought to be like. Stop looking down all the time. Instead, slow down and look up. Number two. You guys still with me? Number two. Find your people and pray together. Find your people and pray together. Say it with me. Some of you found your people, but you don't pray together. Some of you pray, but you don't have any people. You gotta find your people and pray together. <laughs> Don't forget the second part of the great commandment. You gotta love your neighbor. You gotta bring your neighbor along with you. You gotta, you gotta engage with other people. You cannot isolate and worship by yourself and become a healthy Christian. We need each other for encouragement, for love, for help, for accountability. We, listen, here's, here's the thing. We change, we change by encountering God. He's the one who never changes, but he produces change in everything he touches. So we change by encountering God, but we grow by engaging with each other. We grow by sitting down together in a small group and discussing what Jesus did and who he is together, and we make room for the Holy Spirit. And for 2023, I'm asking all the groups that we have together <clears throat> 
to go with us on the Sunday messages because we're not done practicing this. I know for some of you who've been Christians a long time, you're like, I don't know, it's kind of, it's not very deep. Yeah, that's kind of the point. Like learning how to lead a discussion about the wonders of Jesus with about four or five questions is all you need for the Holy Spirit to come and join the group and suddenly illuminate things you've never seen. That's what we're practicing. That's what we're doing. And so I want you to keep going together with me. I want the rest of the band to come up and we're gonna, we're gonna go to worship here. As we continue to experiment, I want you to grab somebody, like, you, like groups, group Sunday is two weeks from now. Okay, next Sunday, right after church, is our rally for Team One. And we're going we're gonna to train Team One members, and we're going we're gonna to train some, some group leaders. We want you, a bunch of you in here should be hosting a group somewhere, in a coffee shop, at your house, somewhere at your work. You can host a group and talk about Jesus and help others follow. That is what you're called to. That's what I'm called to. That's what church is about. And when you start worshiping God with wonder, what you start to notice is you start to see things differently. And, and I, I lead a group called Brotherhood with Spiro Stavros, who is my good friend. And we, uh, we've been like doing this men's group on Friday mornings at 6.30 a.m. And it's astounding to see the change in men's lives as they talk to each other honestly. And there have been tears, there have been uh, challenges, there have been difficult moments, but I'm watching it, and transformation is happening, and it causes wonder. Oh, God, you're so amazing. How did you do that? I never thought that guy would get it. (laughs) So, here we are. I want you to stand up. We're going to spend the last 20 minutes that we have together. And we're going to respond to what Jesus is saying to you. What God is saying. What's happening in your soul. What are you thinking about? What does God want from you? See, here's, here's, here's where we're going. I want this room on Sunday to be a room where transformation happens. Where change occurs. But that means the spiritual temperature's got to go up. I want you to change your spiritual temperature this morning. Our spiritual temperature as a church, not to prove anything to God, but to lean in to Him by faith. Maybe you're used to a passive way of entering into worship. Today I encourage you to do something more active. Raise your hand for the first time. Get down on your knees if you want to. Get out of your seat and come up and pray with one of the prayer team. Prayer team's coming. Prayer team, just come on up. Prayer team's going to stand here for about 20 minutes. You need prayer? Maybe some of you in this room will be thinking about somebody else in the room. And you want to pray for them. Go pray for them. (laughs) What we can't do is stand without any 
engagement or connection. And that's what I want you to lean into today. And I want us to maybe do things we, we haven't done before. And over the next many weeks, we're going to turn this time into a, a season of seeking and soaking to make room for the Holy Spirit to speak to us as a church and to lead us and guide us and have authentic encounters with Him. Come on all over the room, just maybe just open up your hands like this. Father, we just come to you and we just say, we're here, we're here, we're here. And, it's, and, and, and we do agree, wonder is slipping from our lives. Worship is not second nature to us. It's, it's more difficult than that. And, but we want to get in touch with you. We want to get in touch with where you're going and what you're saying and where you're leading. We want to pour ourselves out. We want to figure out how to empty ourselves of ourselves so that you can fill us up with who you are. Let worship begin to come up and out of us in a way that is maybe beyond our own comfort level, but is creating an opportunity for you to meet with us right here in this place. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We look to you with gratitude. We look to you for help. We look to you for your provision. We look to you for wonder. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.